one of the greatest blessings in your life is actually, apart from Jesus, is actually that uh, you have people who are older than you in your life that you can listen to. Uh, the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. And uh, and someone wants, you know, it's funny that everyone thinks they have to learn from their own experience. And uh, this is just stupid, okay? You know, we heard say, uh, they have to learn by their own mistakes. No, you're supposed to learn from someone else's mistake. Yes. Okay, that's less painful. And you can save a lot of time. Okay, and... Um, you know, like every time something happens in Israel, there's the same group of people in the body of Christ who finds their own notes, and everything is about Jesus is coming back soon. And remember in John chapter 14, Jesus says, I am the truth, the way, and the life. And it's so important we understand is that it's Jesus who's defined truth, not how we understand truth, or how, we, how my experience is like like it like for example i know this guy he he's a preacher he keeps saying he's a jew and i keep telling him you're not a jew yeah but they they, they bullied me in school and called me jewish yeah but that doesn't matter that you are that doesn't mean that you are jew you know, what he's saying is that his dad was a jew but his mom was not a jew okay but because his experience is that, so he, he say, I kept telling him all the time, you are not a Jew. And he said, I am a Jew. And what, what, as I said to him, if you are right, it's the Muslims who have the, have the blessing of the first person. And, but my point is that he defined Christianity according to his experience, what suits him. And, but it's not just him, it's many times people, they can define themselves in, you know, this is how I see it. But the thing is, Jesus is the truth. You might think, you know, like, for example, if you have symptoms in your body, don't run around saying, I'm sick. Mm-hmm. Saying, by his stripes, I have been healed. If you are, if you are in lack, don't say, I, I, I have nothing. No, no, say, he is my provider. Because when we become Christians, we make the word of God highest authority. No higher than our own experience, higher than our, our own situation, circumstances. And when we do that, you will see you get what you say. Okay? Like, how many have you heard? You know, people, you know, when people are ill, they say something like, I, I, I am a diabetic. I have this or I have that. And what will happen is they take ownership of it. No, you are not a diabetic. You, are, you, you, you're not a, you don't have cancer. You know, you are the healed where illness tries to invade you. But it's not yours. You are, you know, your identity is not according to your illness. Your identity is according to who Jesus say he, that he is. Amen. And it's so important. That's why Corinthians talks about we walk by faith and not by sight. You know, some Christians may use it as a... I don't want to. T- I don't want to do anything. I just live in denial. That's not what it means. But it means that with every situation that we're facing, we quoting the word of God above what my experience is. And the thing is, just like when you got saved, if you hold on to the good confession, you will find that what you say you will see manifested in your life. I think most of us, when we got saved, yeah, we had the experience of being born again, and it was wonderful. When a few days later we didn't feel born again again. Uh, okay, now we felt just like we were before, 
But now, what do we do? We held on to the good confession that I received Jesus as my Savior and Lord. And now, as you hold on to it, it starts manifesting more and more into your life. Okay? And uh, But there is a scripture in Revelation chapter 22, verse 12. And in the King James, actually, they got the translation right here. But in, I think, other translations, they got it wrong. And this is what people often quote. No, so you heard many times people say, and you probably see it on Facebook now, that Jesus is coming back soon. Mm-hmm. And I was speaking to this old uh, Bible teacher yesterday, and uh, so, and he said something that he, you know, this is why it's so good that uh, that there's always something to be learned. And uh, so he said to me this thing that you know that this thing that the word that people that that it translates in many Bibles that Jesus is coming back soon. That does not mean soon. Okay, when we say soon, when we say Jesus is coming back soon, so we're expecting maybe half an hour. Or, or, or if you put it in the context of the disciples, they say soon, this 2,000 years ago. <laughs> okay, but he said it, it, that word does not mean soon as we understand soon. It means it actually should be translated quickly. So that it's not that Jesus is coming back soon, it is that Jesus is coming quickly. Now, quickly can have something to do with time, but it can also have something to do with action. Do, do, do you understand? It doesn't mean that he, you know, what, what, what it indicates is when he comes, now it's not, it's not like a process, it's, it's, it's happening instantly. Okay? And uh, actually, 22, 12 here in Revelations, it says, yeah. And behold, I come quickly. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me. Do you know that when you become born again, that's not the end. That's the beginning. Just like when you when you have been born, the midwife don't just leave you. Okay, now you're born. Well, that's it. No, that's where your life begins. And the same thing when you receive Jesus as your Savior and Lord, that's where your life begins. Amen. It's not, you know, but it's not just like, oh, I made it, I'm born again, I'm saved, now I'm going to heaven. No. You know, this, now there's a whole new life to live, a whole new life to embrace, a whole new life to explore when you get born again. Okay? It's not just the, the aim is not just, oh, now I, I, I got the ticket and when I die, when I go up and not down. Okay? But, but, but notice here, he says, Jesus says, when he returns, he has his reward with him. Amen. Okay? Which means that has to do with something that, you know, you're not saved by deeds, but your rewards are according to what you do. Amen? And it's so important, we always must live in the awareness of that this is not my life here. You know, we must always live in awareness of that it's I'm living for eternity. Mm-hmm. Amen. You no, know, but the Bible talks about that when we pass away or when we go to heaven, there is a day of judgment, but not judgment in terms of being rejected. Okay, it's not about salvation, but it's a day of where God looks at your Jesus, look at what did you build your life upon. Was it hay or straw, or was it on a firm foundation? 
And now, if you're building on a firm foundation, that's where you get your reward. Okay, it, it's so, the Bible talks about that we have crowns in heaven. Yeah. So that means if, if a reward is according to the size of a crown, everyone knows how you did. Okay, but it's important we always have that kind of awareness because it's very easy to think this is it. But uh, now I'm born again, now when I die I go to heaven and that's fine. Now everything else I'll just live whatever. No, take advantage of the, the possibilities that Jesus provided. Okay, he didn't give us the Holy Spirit just for us just to be survival or being on standby or whatever. You know, I think it was the Jehovah's Witnesses when they were told in the 1970s that, that Jesus was going to come back. They were all standing on a hill waiting with a suitcase. He didn't come. And then we had to chase the whole theology after that. You know, in the Bible it talks about 144,000 and the Jehovah's Witnesses. You know, when you speak to a Jehovah's Witness in town, even if you argue with them, they get points. They're not here to convince you, they're there to gain points. So they can go home and say, oh, he shouted at me, five points. They slapped the door in my face, four points, whatever it may be. And according to that point system, this is after the 1970s, because suddenly Jehovah's Witnesses grew above and beyond 144,000. So now they have to invent something they call the earthly paradise. But according to your point system, if you could sneak in amongst the 144,000, you would be in heaven. Okay, that's, that's how we do it. And, uh, but anyway, but so Jesus is not coming back soon. He's coming back quickly. Okay, when he comes, he comes quickly. It's not like a slow process. It's not a, what, what, what is it called? Slow cooking. No. <laughs> it's not like a slow cooking. No. When he comes back, he comes back quickly. Another thing about it is that everything that God does is self-announcing. Now, on the day of Pentecost, remember, the whole Jerusalem knew that the Holy Spirit had arrived. Something had happened. Everyone, suddenly everyone could hear the gospel in their own language. There was not a big PR campaign, you know, tomorrow, 12 o'clock, the Holy Spirit is arriving, you better be ready. Okay? Can, can, you know, it's like, you don't, you don't need to advertise when God does something. God is self-announcing, is obvious for everyone. And so it is also... When he, uh, when he returns back, in Revelation 1.7, it talks about here, 1.7, Revelation 1.7, um, says here, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and every eye shall... So it's obvious. You know, it's just like, you know, as I told you before, we have people in our society now who say, hello, my name is this and I'm normal. I'm normal too. You know, you know every, what, if, the same thing is, you don't need to run around and say, I'm a prophet or I'm this, that and the other. Okay, because if you are, it's obvious. If you have to tell people that you are, you most likely are not. Amen. It is so important because when God does things, it's obvious. We don't need to strive for it. You know, you don't. If you are a tree, 
you don't say, I'm a tree, I'm a tree, I'm a tree. No, the tree is just a tree. The fruit is just a fruit. Okay? It's obvious. And here with the return of Jesus, it says, Behold, he cometh with clouds. Now clouds, this is actually people, you and me, the clouds of witnesses. Okay? Uh, and every eye shall see him, and every eye shall see him when he comes back the second time. Then it's obvious. The first time you have to look for him. Second time it's obvious. And this is a fascinating scripture here. In uh, if you see the latter part, and every and they no and they also which pierced him. This is the Jewish people, and they which also pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. You know, like the, the, the Jewish people, they still waiting for the first coming of the Messiah. Okay? But, you know, if you go to Zechariah 12.10, this is an interesting scripture. If you can't find Zechariah, just pretend. <laughs> it's in the Old Testament. <laughs> uh, chapter 12. Chapter 12. Just go to Mafia and turn left. <laughs> okay. So, but let's read from verse 9. And it shall come to pass in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against, East, come against Jerusalem. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications. Now, notice there. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that in bitterness for his firstborn. Do you know, the Jewish people, the Pharisees, the Sadducees at the time, they spent their whole lifetime living in the expectation of that the Messiah should arrive. Okay? That's how we study the scriptures. And yet, when he came, they couldn't recognize him. And, they, and I believe the reason why they didn't recognize him was because they have a different expectation. They have made up their own expectation of how Messiah should be. We see a glimpse of it with Peter. Peter, he thinks that you know, when, he, when, when Jesus tells him, get two swords, and now they're thinking that he's going to be a political figure. So he, he should overturn and throw out the Romans out of the, the Holy Land. That's the expectation that they had. They, they, di they didn't expect, they didn't see he came as a servant the first time. Second time he comes as a king. But because we expected a, a political figure, a king, they missed Jesus when he arrived. And it's so important, and that's where I back to what I say, it's so important that we don't, measure or, or, or paint Jesus into my understanding. Like I, like I said to the Danes, you know, Jesus does not have blonde hair and blue eyes and well-trimmed beard, like what you see. Okay? And, uh, and he does, you know, that's not how he looks like. But if that is what you're looking for, when he comes, you won't recognize him. You know, but it's so much to do with our hearts. You know, you can tell you about King Herod. When the wise men come to King Herod and they say, We have seen a star. Where is the king born? 
Have you ever thought about why could King Herod not see the star? No, why, should, why did he have to wait for the wise men to come back and say he's, he's actually in Bethlehem or in Nazareth? Okay? Why couldn't he follow the star? Why couldn't he see the star? Because his mind was blinded by his expectation. He still had the image of this king. Okay? And the same thing with you and me as believers. I believe that the Jewish people, they, they fail to recognize Jesus as a servant. But I also believe that we as believers, we have to be careful not to miss Jesus, that he's also he, the king. The Christian as a whole, in general, we, we don't find it difficult to recognize Jesus as a, as, a, as a servant. But it's important now that we also recognize him as a king. You know, remember, if you look at the, uh, <clears throat> in Revelation, when Jesus appears, it actually, the book of Revelation, you have to understand, it's, a book, it's, a, it's not a book about the end time, it's a revelation of Jesus. And the way Jesus appears, it's a completely different Jesus, like Jesus' blue eyes with sandals. That's not how he looks like anymore. He's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And, uh, and he is the one we dedicated our life to. Okay? Anyway, so, and, uh, and the third thing before I move on is like uh, uh, Matthew 24, 36. Matthew 24, 36. Uh, it says here. Now this is Jesus talking of, of his return. Okay. Let's uh, read from 34. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. But of that day and hour, this is about his return, but of that day and hour knoweth no man. Actually, actually say, it should actually just say no one. If you have a, some Bible, if you notice man is in italic, which means it was not in the original text. This something with it. So basically, <laughs> to put it into our day and age, no one knows. If Jesus don't know, how come so many people know on Facebook? <laughs> it's, <true. laughs> you know, it, it's like, oh, yeah, Jesus, come back soon. I had a dream. I had this better than the other. And, you know, and I, see, I see something on the sky. And whatever it may be, maybe even too many mushrooms or whatever it may be. But if Jesus says he doesn't know, how come Facebook knows? <laughs> Google knows. And, 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 it, and it's just... We need to get out of the stupidity and get into the Bible truth. You know, we're building upon what the Bible say, not upon vain imaginations and fantasies and one, wanting things to be like. If Jesus says he doesn't know, no one knows. Okay? And it, it's based upon the, the parallel of a, you know, but you have to understand when Jesus is coming back, he's coming back for a bride. He's not coming back for an army. He's not coming back for a baby. He's not coming back for an organization. He's coming back for a bride. You know, in the eyes of Jesus, we are all women. And in the eyes of God, the Father, we are all sons. Amen. Is a, if you're confused, don't ask me. I'm just saying what the Bible says. Okay? 
but in we are the church is his bride and uh, and let me see if you go to John 14 this is oh, I said all these things to share this okay 14 now notice here uh, it starts out let not your heart be troubled let not your heart be troubled don't be concerned don't be scared don't be worried all these things no don't worry let not your heart be troubled god is in control amen you know you, uh, you know when we get troubled it's because we're trying to play god we want to figure out how things are going to be don't trust him you're not here to understand everything you're just here to trust him there's so many things in this life that you know we can't figure it out we just trust it okay and uh, so let not your heart be troubled you believe in god believe also in me and then he says here in my father's house are many mansions now that word should be rooms okay so you're not going to get a separate house from your mother-in-law <laughs> You're going to get a room next to her. <laughs> yes. Amen. It's not like you. I want a mansion out in the middle of nowhere in heaven, and my mother-in-law can have a house outside in the middle of somewhere. No, you're getting a room. Maybe that's your reward. <laughs> How are you behaving? Okay, you're moving in next. You're sharing bedroom, bathroom with her, whatever. No. But it's down to the culture at the time that, and this was a, a, an old Bible teacher who taught me this. Uh, I never forgotten it because it, it changed my concept of this uh, passage. But that it is that you know it, we, there's an old Buddhist word uh, that you don't get engaged, you get betrothed. Okay, and uh, and really when Jesus he came here, he was he he got engaged, or betrothed with the church. That's why the Holy Spirit is the seal. Okay? And, and when he says, I'm going to my father, what is he doing? He's going to prepare a room for you there in his father's house. This is, what, this is what a young man would do when he got married, or he got engaged. Then he would go back to his father, and then he would start building an extension to his father's house. And then the father will go out and expect the extension every now and then. But in the, in the meantime, the son will just keep building, keep building, keep building. The son does not know when it's ready. He just keep building upon it until one day the father says, now it's ready. Now go and bring your bride home. Okay. And this is what happens now that Jesus, he went to heaven. That's why Jesus went to heaven. It was so that he could prepare a room for his bride that's you and me and then god the father this is why jesus say i don't know he doesn't no one knows when he's coming back and i know many people they want to interpret uh, all sorts of things that uh, no because we all these interpretations are all wrong because when we interpret things when we interpret according to who we are according to what knowledge base that we have, what experience we've gone through in life, or so on. You know, you can have two people go into a room, into the same room, and see two people talking and laughing. One that might have a terrible upbringing, always feel rejected, 
that person might think they're laughing at me. Or the other one who is secure will maybe say, oh, they seems like having a good time. But what do we do? We interpret according to what our own experiences. Every generation has their own interpretation of the book of Revelation. Okay? And it always goes wrong. You know, Martin Luther, the, the guy who started the Reformation, he said that the Pope was the Antichrist. Okay? I, I, I have been, you know, just in my short space of time, it was Obama, Gorbachev, they were all Antichrist. Gorbachev especially because he had the birthmark on the forehead. Remember he had a birthmark on his forehead? Oh, this is the mark of the beast. Okay? You know, but the thing is, it's so t don't, don't fall for that temptation because what happens is you limit your view of who Jesus is. Because now you put him in, you put everything into a category and thinking this is how it's supposed to be. And our flesh likes the delusion of that we know what happens because that makes us, that gives us the illusion of that we are in control. But the thing is, we are not in control. He is. God is in control. And we just need to trust him. I don't need to explain it. If Jesus says, I don't know when he's coming back, who am I to interpret whatever I can see? You know, you, you can stare up into the sky all you want. You can look at the clouds. Oh, that looks like a fat baby. Oh, yeah, can you see it? Yeah, no, I can't. Yeah, can you see it? Then I mean, after you've been convinced, oh, yeah, yeah, I can see it too. You know, there's a fairy tale similar to that, isn't it? The emperor's new clothes. Ah, oh, nice clothes, nice clothes. And until someone's showing up, this is underwear. Okay. <laughs> okay, I think sometimes fashion today is like that. Oh, this is amazing, this is amazing. Oh, wow. And then you look back at 10 years later, did I wear this? <laughs> okay. Especially now, old pictures. Now you're old enough, Army, to fashion comes back. <laughs> I remember. I didn't wear it. My sister, she used to wear these trousers where the legs were so wide. You know, like, not wide, really wide. And, and it's, really, it's really a problem in Denmark because all transport is by bike. <laughs> so every time she was on a bike, you know, the trousers got stuck in the chain and it was really horrible, okay? And so now that disappeared, but now it started coming back. Uh, anyway, anyway, it's not a fair, but he, he said, Jesus said, in, I, I, there, are, there are many, he goes home, let you know, so he said, in my father's house are many mansions, if it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. <coughs> That's why he's not here. Amen. That's why, but... He, he, that's, that's where he comes back for a bride. That's where, that, you know, some, some, some people, they, this thing about the rapture or whatever we're calling it, is like, is some kind of, they, they look at it more like a survival. You know, like if you're, you're drowning in this world of sin, oh, and now Jesus comes and plucks me out. No, that's not how it's supposed to be. You, you know, you are supposed to, Live the kingdom life here. You know, if you remember, you know, I don't know if you know, but at a Jewish wedding, the room is divided with a with a cloth, so the women is on one side and the men on the other side. 
and each one are partying on their own. And I'm telling you, if you ever been to a Jewish party, they know how to party. Uh, I I went to a bar yeah, in the spring or so. That was the last. I can't remember. Anyway, I'm telling you, if I had hips like that when I'm 84, I would be blessed. <laughs> I was I was more worried with this old gentleman that. Do you need a hand to get up or whatever? He was, he, he was really going for it. It's not just him. It was all, everyone was just one big party thing, and you had to see it in that context. That's why that you you that's the godly life. I think it's in Nehemiah talks about call a, call this a holy day, and then Nehemiah say go and slaughter the fat calf and eat and be jolly and be happy and so on. But today, related to if you are holy, it's like you look like something that a cat has dragged in. Okay, the more miserable you can look like, the, 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 the more burdensome you can appear, the more holy I am. I actually heard a funny thing about Theresa May. <laughs> she wanted to be a nun, you know, the former prime minister. No, her father was a priest until she realized that means. I will only have one pair of shoes for the rest of my life. <laughs> so, no, that was just a joke for why she didn't want to be a nun. But I said, think about the shoes. Okay, anyway, but but you have to understand in that continent, when we talk about end time, there's nothing to be feared. Did you understand? It's like, and, and again, don't mix it with what you see on the news. Don't mix it with, oh, now this thing happened in Israel, and now this is a sign of the end times, an antichrist is coming soon. I'm telling you, don't fall for it. Because you, there's nothing to be scared of. The world gets worse and worse and worse. Actually, the world gets better and better and better and better. If I had a choice by living today or living 200 years ago, I would choose today anytime. Okay? Have you noticed that, what is his name? Queen Victoria. Is that the one? Yeah. The one who didn't get married. Old days. Uh, have you noticed she had no teeth? She, you know, when, when, on any picture, there's no teeth. She never smiles. Because her teeth was completely destroyed. Because she loved sugar so much. There was no hygiene at all okay so the world is not getting worse it's getting better you just see the people how many you know uh, the, the weight of children who died when they got born is gone further way down compared to just 50 years ago we're not living in a worse society okay so when you're approaching end time you have to approach it that this is a time of where my savior is getting ready to wear the wedding feet okay let not your heart be troubled. I, when the first Gulf War was around, I listened to a Bible teacher, and, and I was a new believer, and you know you could tell me anything, and I would just believe it, okay? And uh, I'm telling you, he te taught from Ezekiel, Jeremiah, and others, uh, this is the battle of Armageddon, and so on, and Saddam Hussein, he's this, that, and the other. I'm telling you, it was none of these things. You can get the Bible to say whatever you want it to say, to fit your purpose. But don't fall for this. Jesus is the truth. All the other things you do, if it brings fear, worry, and concern, it's not God. 
Okay? Ich habe schon wir gehen von Glory zu Glory. Not from disaster to disaster. Or from tragedy to tragedy. That's not our calling. We're going from glory to glory. Amen. And I'm telling you, but you see here, <coughs> now remember, but in Zechariah, the Spirit should be poured out on the house of David. Now, it's a glorious church that Jesus is coming for. Not a mediocre church. Not a, not a defeated church. It's a glorious church he's coming for. Amen. Where we already demonstrate the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. So it's not, so it's not, so, you know, someone will say, oh, Jesus, if you just waited five more minutes, I wouldn't have made it. That's not, that's not the attitude. And this is where that attitude needs to be changed in the body of Christ because we are the head and not the tail. We are, as I said last Sunday, we are supposed to reign with Christ Not to be weighing over, but to weigh with Christ. We are supposed to be in charge. We are not supposed to react all the time. We are supposed to initiate. If, if you don't have an, an opportunity, then make one. Amen. It, 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 sometimes we, we are living in a society where everyone is waiting for an opportunity to come. I'm telling you, opportunity is not like your dog that uh, jumps up into your lap. Now, this is an opportunity. No, you go and make it. You go and take it. Amen. Everyone waits for something else to happen. I said, no, you have the Spirit of God within you. You have the Spirit of God upon you. You got the Word of God. You got the name of Jesus available. Now you go and make it. Amen. Amen. Don't wait for something else to show me favor or whatever. You got all the favor in the world already now. Why? Because you are saved. Amen. I'm telling you, when I saw the Danish uh, princes, when they were in my hometown, I'm telling you, especially the younger one, he did not, uh, he knew who he was. He walked into whom uh, expected everything else to evolve around him. He knew who he was, you know. And, and the same thing as you as a believer, you have to know who you are. You're not a sinner saved by grace. You're not just a, oh, Oh, I'm so happy that you saved me. Yeah, yeah, we've been through that. You're saved now. Come on, move on. Embrace the life. Amen. This is who you are. So, so in my, so, so, no, so, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, where you may be also. Okay. Remember that Jesus said also, it is better for me to go away. Because when he left, now the Holy Spirit could arrive. But also in the context of it's better for, for us when he goes away because he go and prepare a place. But it's so important that we get this thing back into our understanding of our Christian life that we are living from eternity. It's not just about getting the best out of it here. Okay, no. It's about I'm living. Every decision I make, every every choice I do, is always with the perspective of I am going to be with Jesus one day. Amen. Don't don't fall into where you convert Jesus into. Like I think a lot of Christianity today, what we call Christianity, Jesus has been relegated to some kind of a spiritual cult. 
so so he's not so he's not a, he's not a your shepherd he's your coach okay teach you how to have a good marriage teach you how to have this teach you how to do this and no that's not if you want to succeed in life just let the cross go over your life because when you the cross goes over your life if you die with Christ you should also live with Christ okay you cannot teach a man to love his wife you can't I mean, I, I've seen some of these material for wedding, the marriage course, course, I teach you how to love you very best. Oh, remember to say, I love you five times every day. So you take the note of, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. See you tomorrow. <laughs> you can't teach people like that. You can't, you know, you can't even teach people how to pray. I, I grew up in, a, in an age where, where I, uh, Five steps how to pray for this and five steps how to pray for that. I'm telling you, no one got a uh, got a prayer answered because that's not how it works. God is not a, a God is not a machine where you put a, a Coke machine where you put 50p in and Coke comes out. You know, just do this and then God will do that. No, that's not how it works. It's a relationship. Amen. And I'm telling you. So, 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 so don't fall for all these things that happens at the moment, that now the end is near, and, and don't believe in these things, that, oh, I went to hell and I went to heaven or whatever. Don't fall for it. It is imaginations and foolishness. Do, do you understand? You know, oh, I went to heaven. Oh, what, what did God say to you? He said he loved me. Oh, I could have read John 3.16. But it's because of people's insecurity and they're not found the identity in Christ. So, they had to add something extra, something spectacular. You know, you, you know, we all have friends, but they don't just experience something. It's always more, you know, you have a good story, they always have a better story. Okay? Oh, I had this amazing me. Oh, but I have this, that, you know. And, 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 but the word is good enough. Did you understand? If, if you have to go to heaven and back and forth and so on, I'm telling you, the world will look different when it, when, when it does. No one can go to heaven and come back and still living, live, live the same. But, but, but today it's become normal where they invented we always imaginations and conducts that we, because it's been exposed to it so many times, it's, it, we think it's normal. Uh, you know, what was it? David and Jesse, they had a friend from, I don't know where it came from, and they were chasing around at the graveyard where Smith Wigglesworth was buried. And you know, in England, I don't know how it is in the Philippines, but in Denmark, the graveyard is like small gardens, streets and alleys. And in England, they just throw the stones whenever you can find. So they had to find Smith Wigglesworth. So they spent the whole afternoon. And and for goodness sake, when we found this, finally found the stone, this woman laid down on the headstone. Oh, I can feel something. You can't feel anything but cold and stupidity. You don't get anointed by that. Do, do, do you understand? That's not how it works. But it's been conduct. You know, mem oh, remember at my birthday, you know, when we were at the conference, I, you know, the pastor there, he came to me, not just me, with old bricks. From the building, yeah. It was like it was like he came with the Holy Grail. Yeah. What am I supposed to do with that? <laughs> it was like if there's something holy or what. 
No, it's stupid. Okay, and I, I and if he's not been an old man, I will have slapped him. Okay, wake up! This is not Christianity. We are not Catholics. Okay, we we have only two sacraments as believers. Okay, that's the communion and baptism. All the other things, forget about it. Oh, oh, it's like. He touched me. I'm not going to wash that hand anymore. <laughs> Stupid. There's no anointing in these things. It's imaginations and fantasies. And how can I be so bold about it? Because nothing changed. You know, I, you know, after my birthday, there came to a point where I got so tired of hearing the name Smith Wigglesworth. Because it was like, it was like, like a, a second Jesus, nearly. No, he was a man anointed by the Holy Spirit, just like you and me. Amen. It is so important we come back. He, he had the word of God. You have the word of God. Amen. He had the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit. He got saved by grace. You got saved by grace. You got cleansed by his blood. He got cleansed by his blood. There is nothing. You, whatever you think, how amazing he is, you got but don't fall for these uh, new age rituals where if I lay on the headstone, then I will get something from him. No, you won't. You won't get it. You, you know, if you want to be anointed, read the Gospels. I don't know if you remember many years ago now, when if you take the recipe for the anointing oil, remember I told you about Matthew, Mark, Luke and John and the book of Acts? Where Matthew and John shows God, Jesus as divine, this is the double and so on. But I, I, I think we're somewhere. So, but it's the word of God that anoints you. Amen. Amen. It, it, it's not because I do something it's weird. You know, I've been to prayer meetings where, oh, now we have spiritual warfare. I mean, they, they, they pull out their plastic sword. Okay. Oh, a worship thing. Oh, I will sing until it breaks through. You don't need to sing until it breaks through. You already have an open heaven. The Bible says, when you bring the first fruit of your labor, he opens the windows of heaven. When you start singing, he probably closes it. <laughs> okay. I don't know. He will probably do it with me. Okay. Oh, no, no. Kurt, please don't sing. Whatever you want, just tell me. Don't sing. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but no, but we. My point is, we have made so many things, and we think this is Christianity. You have to understand, Christianity should be able to work anywhere. No, it's ridiculous. Some preachers, you know, where, where there has to be a specific temperature in the room because or else the Holy Spirit can't move, and all sorts of crazy. You know where. Uh, David told me when I sent him for a leadership conference in Singapore, and uh, everything was measured out in details, how many steps to the pulpit from where the preacher was, and everything was timed out. I'm telling you, that's, you go to the middle of nowhere in South America, it wouldn't work there. So does the gospel not work? No, the gospel works anywhere. All the other things are human add-ons. Okay? That is not important. We, 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 we thinking that we have to understand Jesus, he, he just preached the word. 
and the word was powerful enough. Okay? It's, it's not that you are in the right environment, in the right temperature, and the right worship song, and so on. No, Ulf Ekman, he used to say, these creatures, you know, they're, they're living like in an aquarium. That's not the real world. The real world is you can preach anywhere, anytime, any day. The gospel will work anywhere, anytime, any day. Okay? You don't need to oh, have the latest worship song. You don't need to do it the right way. You don't need to call it worship either. You don't, no, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Amen. Now, I remember that Helen Morell, uh, you know, when she got when she shared about that she got bitten by a snake in the bush in the middle of nowhere in South Africa, and as a medical doctor, she know that I, there won't be time enough for me for them to bring me anywhere. What did she have to do in the middle of nowhere? There was not the right worship music. There was not the right uh, environment. There was not the right temperature. There was nothing but her trust in Jesus, and she survived. She got healed. She received a healing. And it's that simple. But it, because man wants to complicate things, we want to, we want things that are sophisticated. Okay? Some people are, you know, like sometimes, many times Christians, especially preachers, they read things into the Bible that the Bible don't say. Or the colors of the Bible and so on. Then can, I'm telling you, colors in different cultures means different things. So if you start having a theology about the colors in the Bible, uh, depending on what culture you come from, you get different things. I didn't know in the, uh, in the Chinese culture until uh, uh, I got to a Chinese, but I, co I couldn't understand why everything is red. If you know, you know, when at, at Chinese New Year, you get a red envelope, uh, you go to a Chinese restaurant, it's red and, and so on, because that is obviously a color for them that is really, really important for them. But you go to other cultures, red can mean all sorts of other different kinds of things. And that's what my point is, don't read into the Bible. Okay? That we think sometimes that it's a Western, uh, westernized uh, way, the Bible. No, it's not. But as I said, this is why Americans really love the King James Version of the Bible, because it uses the word prosperity. Now, and prosperity in America is money, okay? But biblical prosperity is not just money. It's a part of it, but it's not limited to money. You can be, you, in the Bible says you, have, you should have a prosperous soul. Amen. You know, you can have all the money in the bank and still be miserable. Okay? There's probably more millionaires who commit suicide than, uh, than uh, and become drug addicts and all that. Because money is not the thing. You know, biblical prosperity is that you should prosper to spirit, to soul, and you, f you probably found out by now, to body. <laughs> as, as I told you, when I read the scripture about that, you, whatever you lay your hands on shall prosper, I stopped standing like this. <laughs> okay. There might be a few people, I, I'm not too keen I could lay hands on them, and then, whoo! <laughs> Or if, you, if there's someone you don't like, oh God, please make them fat. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, so we are not called to fear. He starts out in 14, let not your heart be troubled. Yeah, when I follow, you know, when, when we say, you know, 
you see something in the sky, a red moon, whatever we call it, so, oh, this is a sign for this and that. No, it's not. No, it's not. Because if you have to interpret and you have to make yourself see it, it's not God. Because everything God does, as I said before, is obvious. If it's not obvious, then if you if you say you've been a Christian and after 30 years you're still a drug addict, maybe you need to get saved again. I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. No, 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 maybe. Because when you, when you have met Jesus, it will be obvious for anyone. You don't need to have a big Jesus t-shirt. We don't do that anymore, do we? We used to have this fish in, on the car. Remember that? Oh, it was my test. A bumper sticker. Okay. You don't need that. I don't want to have a fish on my car because then I have to drive nicely. I can't lose my temper in the traffic. Can you imagine you losing your temper and then there's a fish? <laughs> That's not a good <laughs> so, 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 so it's better to be anonymous. Okay. Because uh, anyway, but you don't, you know, anything that God does comes natural. It just, it grows naturally. Remember, Jesus said the kingdom of God is like a seed. What does a seed do? It grows. You don't need to make, you know, you, you, if you, I don't know if you're planting a flower or something, you don't stand over the flower, or the seeds, and really, really grow. It just, once you put it into the ground, it does it by itself. Okay? You don't need to try to be holy. You don't need to try to be good. You don't need to try. Just be at peace. Okay? You don't. Uh, yeah, I, I remember when people came from prayer meetings. Uh, oh, I've just been praying. And they looked like, oh. oh. I said, I said how, can you, how can you be like that? Oh, it's such a bird. Yeah, you, you say you've just been in the presence of God. And you look like that. <laughs> oh, 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 you know what I do. The Bible says, cast your burdens upon him because he cares. And then everyone who went to prayer meetings, they, they look more miserable than they went before. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, but I'm so concerned. Yeah, then cast your concerns upon him. I'm telling you, the kingdom of God, what is that? Righteousness. Peace and miserable, no. <laughs> Grumpiness, no. Joy, be happy. Amen. But religion has turned it into the more miserable you look, the more holy you are. Uh, when I went to Bible school, it was just, they actually told the women how long the skirts could be. So if it was too short, uh, uh, uh. Okay, who you know if you have to, you know, because I mean, it end as it always does with people. Now it ended up thinking that if the skirt is that long, now you're holy. It has nothing to do with that. Okay, you can dress with whatever way you want to dress, that's not my problem. Okay, if you look stupid, it's your problem, not mine. <laughs> okay, it's a but we, 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 we are so good at making all these human things. 
But there, the only thing that is important is, have you been saved, cleansed by his blood? And now you are in the kingdom of God. Whatever you do from there, you find in the word of God yourself. It doesn't say that every Friday evening you go to heaven and back again. No, you have the word. You have the word. You have the word. You have the word of God and it will teach you. And I'm telling you, when you read the Bible, you, you might not notice it, but what it will do, it will shape your spirit. Okay? You might not notice it while you're reading it, but this is what, you know, just like natural food. Have you noticed when you're eating a cake? You're eating the cake, and bam! You don't, it don't expand instantaneously. Okay? But I can promise you the cake will have an effect. Have you noticed when you go to all these places, so many ca calories, so many calories, you know, you don't feel these calories when you put it in your mouth. But have you noticed, even if you don't feel it, whatever has an effect. The same with the Word of God. That the, God, the Word of God will, will produce what it says it will do. So when you're reading the Bible, when you say Philippians 4.19, for, for my God shall supply all my need according to his riches, and and you might not think instantaneously that suddenly your bank account is just booming or whatever, but it will have an effect. Just like when you're eating a cake, you don't put on five kilos the moment you swallow the last bit. It will have that, the word of God will produce what it says it will produce. Okay? And, but the thing is, that many of times people, they try something once, and then it doesn't work. No, no, no. It's, it's not. It's not in doing it once. It's in doing it consistently. It's like people who go to the gym. There are, some, there are two kinds of people who go to the gym. Or one kind. I'll tell you. It's one. Oh, they look at themselves in the mirror. Oh, I, I need to go to the gym. And then after they finally got themselves pulled together, when they stay in the gym for four hours, oh, oh, oh I really exercise. I mean, it takes 10 years before they come back because they're completely destroyed, okay? And it won't do them any good. You know, I, I know a person, that was when she wanted to start playing football, okay? But she was not very athletic or healthy or whatever, but she was going to play football. So she went down, got all the gear, bought everything, said, you don't need to buy all this. Oh, yeah, 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 when I do it, I need to do it proper. And she was not fit at all. And she went for the first training. Uh, have, have you ever done exercise? Yeah. I, I, what revelation do you get the day after? <laughs> you, you didn't realize you have so many muscles that could hurt. And so was it with her. She really went for it the first day. And you're supposed to practice two or three times a week and then play a game. After the first training session, and then two days later, she had to go to training. Said, I'm not going to training. No. <laughs> so, and it didn't make any difference. And it's the same with the word of God, is that you have to do it consistently. Okay? You know, it's the consistency. This is the key to excellence. It's not that I do something not every now and then, but if you consistently do it. That's what it will produce. So if you consistently reading the word of God, you will see the word of God will affect you. Amen. It's not something like, oh, I just read one verse and then bang it. No, it's a seed. Now it's, when you're reading it, now it's sown into your heart. Now when you start acting upon it, it starts growing into your life. Amen. So 
Uh, anyway, so, so, I mean, verse 5, Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know not whether you goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus said unto him, I am the way. He didn't say, I am the way. He said, I am the way. The truth. The truth. Jesus is the truth. Okay? And the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There is only salvation in Jesus. Okay? It's not because of good deeds. It's not because he or she is a nice person. It's salvation only through Jesus. Amen. It is so important we understand it. And, and the good thing about it is that when whoever seek him shall, be, shall, shall find him. God never rejects anyone who calls upon his name. But do not fall, buy into all these worries and concerns that the world and the body of Christ, the only reason why uh, the body of Christ, many of them doing it, is because there is good money in it. No, fear makes money. Fear sells. Have you noticed when something bad happens and we, we keep staring at the news, when 15 minutes later we say exactly the same thing, we're still watching. We still, and when, come another, so when it comes to commercial, and when we're still watching, now we heard it five times. And I think that's why the, the society is so fearful today, because we have 24 hours news now. Uh, in, in, when I was a kid, we had news once a day, 7.30 to 8 o'clock. That was it. That was only news. But today, we hear the same bad news. We can hear the same bad news 30 times even before 10 o'clock in the morning. And it just explodes in our head. Oh, the world is really getting bad. No. Jesus said in Matthew 24, when you see all these things, lift up your head. Because it cannot harm you. you know, crisis of living, shortage of petrol, or shortage of this, whatever, it won't harm you. Amen. You know, in Americans, I don't know if you keep saying it, American preachers, they used to say that Cuba was cursed, okay? Because, of, I don't know if you know, Cuba is, uh, America has blocked Cuba. So there's a shortage of petrol and many things in, in, but actually, because they got blockaded by America, they got blessed. No junk food. So the average lifespan in Cuba is far longer than anywhere else. Okay, so that was shortage. I remember in the, when I was a kid, there was the oil crisis. I don't know if you can remember that. In, but I remember we, every Saturday, you know, every second day, cars were not allowed to drive on the street. Because there were, it was the Swiss crisis. Uh, in the 70s, and uh, it, was, it was a blessing. Okay, so, so don't buy into all the fears that the news media wants to put upon you, and the preachers say, oh, it's because Jesus is coming back soon. We don't know. We don't know. Just live your life as, I know who I am, and I know where I'm going to be, and in the meantime, I'm going to live my kingdom life here on earth. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. So you're not called to fear. I think it's Bill Johnson who says in this way, if it's not good news, it's a lie. Okay? If it's not good news, it's a lie. And uh, so, so don't buy into it. 
it's about what you accepting. If you know there are people who think we're so, you know, if people just accepting everything, don't do it. You know, where people say, oh, yeah, we, if you wish better than we are, no, I don't accept that. We're living in shortest, no, I don't accept that because I am in the kingdom of God. No, oh, oh, that illness or that symptom could be, I don't accept that because by his stripes I have been healed. Okay? Or people with your background or people with this, whatever, you can be like this. No, no, I don't accept that. Why? Because he's got a purpose and a plan. He has a future for me. Amen. My life is not hopeless. Why? Because he is my hope. Amen. It, it is so important we, we don't just accepting and buying into it. And I can live in peace and confidence if I don't live to, live to please God because I am, he's already pleased. And when he says, let not your heart be troubled. He, in my father's house, there are many rooms. And one of them, my name is on it. Okay? Amen. So don't be afraid. Don't be scared. And don't buy into all this Facebook nonsense that, that floats around. Because uh, this thing that is so abused about God showed me this and God showed me that, most of the time it's because they just want to do their own fleshly will or their own lack of integrity. I'm telling you, <coughs> I got so annoyed with someone some years ago and uh, that someone called me and asked me if I could help them with this, that and the other. And, and I did. And I, I had a friend that called him and, and uh, we arranged for, for this mm, uh, son of theirs, I think it was, yeah, that uh, he could do a, this job with the top boss in the world. Okay? When... After we arranged it all, the parents called me. Oh, God told me. I said, don't, I said, don't ever come and ask me for anything again. You know, I said, I said, this is not integrity. I don't care how many times God told you. If you're given your word, you stick to it. That's integrity. It's not like, oh, God showed me this and God showed me that and God showed me that. That's not integrity. That's stupidity. And no one should ever trust anybody. Someone, I, I have a friend. Uh, not a friend, but he said, oh, God showed me that you should be my wife. I said, what? And it was just a complete disaster. Okay? And, and because the wife-to-be, she was as dumb as he is. So, oh, God showed you that. And she was, and you know, it was how stupid it was. He was, a, he, he, he insisted being called a pastor. He was from the Caribbean or whatever. But there was no church. I'm a pastor. And she wanted to marry a pastor. And uh, anyway, so they got married. Then many, many years later, I didn't know what happened to her. When I think 1999, uh, when Kenneth Copeland was in Abundant Life Church, where I, I sat next to this couple and I couldn't recognize. The only thing I noticed was, oh, they, they have eaten a lot of garlic. <laughs> and, and you know but, uh, and it was in the summer so when, if you're sweating and if you're not eating garlic yourself okay and uh, then I got to look at them and that was that couple and they she had aged dramatically okay and it turned out it was so bad shortly you know he had beaten up so many times because of uh, they think that it's okay and uh, and she actually had to run away in hiding from this man, okay? All because God showed me. 
know, don't ever, don't, don't, don't ever fall for these things because you know, is it, 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 it is uh, at best ignorance, at worst stupidity. Okay, God doesn't speak to you like that. Yeah, I used to when when people prophesy this that and the other all my life as, you know, but when I have a word of prophecy, I'm telling you. Uh, it isn't. It, it, it really, really, really. It's not something that you just throw around with you lightly, because you're using the name of God. Okay. But the thing is that when you when you meet things, run away. Okay. Because bad character, no, bad company destroys good character. Okay. Uh, this is this is the degrade of this world. Okay. If you have to say God showed me to justify what you're doing, obviously you're not sure it's God. Okay, you did, you did not. God showed me to pay my bills. Okay, if you need God to tell you this, when there's no hope, God told me I should eat. Okay, God told me no. Forget it. And this is a spirituality that that has nothing to do with spirituality. Spirituality is you consistently read the Word of God. You consistently do for, uh, live a life of integrity. You, when you say something, stick by your word, okay? And and when you see, it will produce what it says. Amen. Hallelujah.